everyone. My name is Justin Bobel. And I am Chris Vesla. And this is the Evangelion podcast, and we're just going to be talking about the good news that God has for all of us. Any questions that you have about your life, God, Christianity, what it all means, we're going to be answering that. Today's question is the, the age of question of how does one get to heaven? And yeah, we, we understand that this question is very loaded. There's a lot that goes behind this question. There's a lot of reasons people will be asking this question. Most of them are pretty personal, so we're going to treat this with a lot of um, care, sensitivity, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, let's get into it. think when they mostly kind of hear this stuff it's kind of like a big concept like heaven or hell well big concept in the meaning like not like like heaven and hell is a concept but more like oh heaven and hell is like it's it's an afterlife situation afterlife is is always been discussed about in different like worldviews and especially in the christian worldview has a lot so like what do you think of when people think heaven or hell well i think the most common depiction of heaven is like it's in the clouds somewhere up in the sky um I think of people like wearing white robes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think a lot about like just a giant gate at the front and like yeah. a staircase. Yeah, like with like the the yellow brick road. Yeah. Type of scenario, and the, the gates are golden too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's usually how I I tend to picture it when I hear the words. I know a lot of people in the media portray it that way. I've seen a yeah. lot of artwork where it looks the same way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure yeah, it's like a place on the clouds, and like God's there, but he's like this old man with like a long gray beard that's like as long as like the road that like leads up to heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think that's like a lot of that comes from like stuff like The Simpsons or like Family Guy. Like I remember when it was like a couple years ago, because of Disney Plus like, coming out, I just watched like a bunch of Simpson episodes yeah. just because I was just so bored and. Uh, it was COVID. Like, we're all bored. Like, what were we doing? Like, we're just staying at home. Yeah. That's and I remember I'm just like, I'm like, oh, so this is, like, where that depiction kind of came from. and Or, like, where it got popularized. Like, that depiction was around for a while, like, in different, like, photographs and, like, different art pieces. Mm-hmm. But it got popular, this idea, through stuff like that, like, through The Simpsons and Family Guy. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think I always think Family Guy, too, because that's a show I tend to watch. And, they like, God's, like, a, a common character. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He just him with a white robe, like, like no hair on the top of his head, no oh, yeah. beard, sort of thing. Always oh, bald in family. Guy? I think he is from okay. my memory, but I could be wrong. That's yeah. kind of just where my mind's going. Interesting. Okay, so um, and hell is a completely different thing. Like, what do you think? People, what do you think when people think of hell? Like, I think that's a whole different subject. Yeah, I've, I was was actually looking earlier. There's a lot of interesting artwork. Um, yeah, I think. Some of them were, like, straight up, like, very different from the ways that I've seen it portrayed. Mm. Um, the typical way I've seen it portrayed is, like, just a place that's on fire. Yeah. Just red everywhere. Yeah. I think of the colors red, or the color red, and then I think a lot about just fire. Yeah, like, fire, bunch of jagged rocks everywhere, just, like, a torture machine on the side, spikes everywhere, too. Or, like, Satan's there, too, and he's, like... He's like a guy that looks like he's just cladded in red with like a bunch, like with just like a truck, like a, something like a pitchfork. Yeah. Or um, yeah. like has like like ram's horns or something like that, or just like small, like for small ones, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's usually like that's what I think the most common, the common ways they're depicted, if that makes any sense. And um, what's funny enough, I think when you look at the Bible, or not I think, I know, when you look at the Bible, it's completely the opposite of that it is it is not depicted like that uh in the bible at all fair enough the first way heaven is really depicted is actually in genesis 2 which is really weird because people think like heaven is like a concept that's like later in the bible like it doesn't happen to like uh like revelations or even like at the end of like the old testament it's just like that's where it's not talked about but it's talked about like the very beginning yeah right at the start genesis 2 mm-hmm. and it's in genesis 2 4 to 5 so we're gonna go there and read it and it says, um, it says in verse four, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the God, when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth. 
and there was no work, no one to work the ground. Okay, so I've I've come to know this. I think I think Justin's kind of got this conclusion too. The more you just read the Bible and the more you just think about it, there's just so much information in like the smallest bits of scriptures. Like you can get a, a lot from just two scriptures alone. And I think there's a lot here too. Um, I think one of the biggest things is just in the first four alone. This is the account of the heavens and the earth. So if you notice, he's talking about the heavens and the earth. This isn't, this isn't just a creation of the earth's type of situation. Right. This is somewhere else at the same time. And it talks about when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So, and we know that this story is about God creating Eden. That's what's happening here. But it seems like they're at, like, they're in, they're in similar locations. They're not, like, at, like, the, how can I think of it? Because it's not, like, at this, we kind of think, like, Earth is, like, like right here. And, like, Heaven's, like, all the way up here. Right. And it's kind of, like, Earth is kind of, like, at this bottom level. It's, like, in this random, it's, like, in space. And then um, Heaven is, like, at the super high place or alternate dimension at this point. Where here, it's, like, Heaven and Earth are kind of at the same level. Like, they're operating in the same space, time, and, like, quantity. Right. It's in the same account. Yeah, it's in the yeah. same account. Yeah. So, they're in the same place, in the same operations that are happening here. And so, we know that Eden is this place where heaven and earth meet. And that kind of answers a lot of the questions that people have had for years. Like, it answers the question, what the heck is Satan doing in, um, like, the Garden of Eden? Well, if you understand that the Garden of Eden is a place where heaven and earth meet, and then knowing that Satan is a fallen angel, you know that, okay, when you're fall, when you at heaven and you fall, where are you going? going, going down. You're going down. You're going straight to earth at this point. So it makes sense that he's operating there. Um, and so that's kind of what we're working with. That, this is like the first heaven. Um, but... Something happens in chapter three. What happened? Like, what do you think? Do you remember what happens in chapter three of Genesis? Well, in chapter three, um, Adam and Eve decide to be separated from God by disobeying. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's it. Sin, sin gets introduced. Sin yeah. gets introduced into um, the the world now. Sin is the thing now. And um, like, what do you think people define sin as? Like, what would you think? I think the most common way I've when I've talked to people, um, they just say sins, missing the mark, missing the standard. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with the word disobedience. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, that's that's what comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of different ways to, to discuss it, but those are like the first like rapid fire answers I have. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a, an astute way of answering it, like missing the mark. That's what sin is. But a lot of people don't under, like they don't describe what the mark is. Right. Like, what is what is what mark are they missing? Well, they're missing the standards that God's calling them to live by. Exactly. They're missing the standards what God's calling them to live by, and what is those standards? And and it's I, um, the small way, and I love how the Bible Project actually does this. The Bible Project is one of my favorite um, places to go for Bible knowledge, and they just have they have great artworks and videos. Um, but they describe sin as missing the mark to be truly human, because when like we're we're an image of god we are something that's made in god's image so we're supposed to represent god here on this planet like if you think about like the planet hierarchy when it comes to like how we're situated even in the creation account we're like created last but we're created in something that is the epitome of god on earth at this point and that's what we're supposed to represent and so when we look at when we're made in god's image we are supposed to hold that image and we're supposed to act as the way God would. Right. And in that, like, remember how, like, a, we're, like we're in Sunday school or even when we're going through Bible studies, we talked about, oh, we're made in God's image. So it's like a mirror. Like, we're a reflected image of God. And a mirror, it tra- it does all the same movements as... Um, the reflection. The reflection does. Exactly. We're, we're the reflection. Except we're not like the thing we're, we're reflecting the like like the actual body that's being reflected like the 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 body can move away from the mirror but we can't move away from the mirror we're in the mirror 
Earth is like the mirror. Like the mortal world we live in is like the mirror. So when understanding sin, we're supposed to move the way that God does. But sin is moving the exact opposite direction. It's choosing our own ways instead of reflecting God in how we look in a mirror. And God can't reside in a place that's opposite of him. Which is, which is, you think that's kind of weird, right? Like, like, why can't God do that? Like, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I think because he's so powerful, he could. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's where you're headed. Yeah. That, like, that's a, a, the one thing that people think a lot. But people kind of forget that God is kind of like the source of goodness. And that sin is like the exact opposite of him. Think of it like, um, like sin is kind of like an ice cube. And God is like this burning fire. Often God is depicted as the sun, but for this instance, we'll just we'll just call it like a like a burning fire. Um, when the ice cube is near a burning fire, what's it going to do? It's just going to melt. It's going to melt. Yeah. It's going to melt. It's not like the fire is just going to cool down now that it's just one ice cube there. No, the fire is going to melt the ice cube. A great example of this is in the story of um, it's in. Uh, Leviticus, where there's this uh, this place called the Tabernacle, and God sets a residence in there. There's the Ark of the Covenant there, and you're supposed to, in uh, or in the covenant, they're they're supposed to send people in, and um, they're supposed to represent people on the behalf of the nation of Israel. It's supposed to send two priests in there, and that's what they're supposed to do. And uh, it's Aaron's son, so Moses' nephews at this point go in there so they go in there and it says they light this strange fire exact the exact opposite of what they were supposed to do in there and god's presence kills them yeah and then literally scriptures later as it get carried out uh, god gives his command to say okay no one can be drunk on duty when in my presence and if you've been reading from this point before drunkenness is a sin like it, we show how drunkenness just leads to just destruction, and so see how that see how sin just being there, being in the presence of God just killed them. Yeah, and it shows like sin is just not a thing that just is an action. It affects everything. It's not just a thing that is just an action you do. It's not just a head thought. It's it's something that permeates your soul. It's something that permeates your entire being. It like creates like emotional damage. It creates it ruins the space around you. Like you see that with sin. Yeah, it's I see, not... it. I see it with other people. I see it with myself, and mm. it's it's sad, but it's also just the reality. Exactly, and we see that a lot of these sins that are so bad they often ruin God's creation. They often ruin. Well, they all ruin it. They ruin ourselves. They ruin the space around us, and. God, like the fire, is just so good that sin, just being beside it, just just gets destroyed because he is so good. And so when we come before God, and this happens even when even God comes before us, like I remember the story of Moses with like the burning bush. Remember that? Yeah. Where he can't even, like God says, do not come close or you're going to die. Because if he gets any closer, he even has his face like covering himself because he just can't even see into the fire because it's just so bright. And that's an image of how God is just so good. And so we gotta we got to understand that, that God is so good that sin cannot operate in the same space because it will just die. It, remember, it, will, it will be destroyed. That that's a key point. Mm-hmm. Remember, that's a key point, key point. Got to jot it down somewhere, highlight it if... Um, if you're writing down notes, pen and paper, or anything, or if you're in the car, just remember it. Just remember that going forward. That's a major key. Major, major key, major key. So, and the other thing we didn't state, wages, of, what is the wages of sin? It, it talks about in the New Testament. What's yeah, the wages of sin? It talks about how the wages of sin is death. Death. Simply put. Exactly. That's the point. Like, sin causes death. It, it causes the bodily death, soul death, everything. It causes land death. Um, it shows a lot of that in in the Old Testament about how it just creates land death. That, but that's an, that's a that's another that's another podcast episode. That's another episode for another time. And so it brings death, and a lot of it hurts other people. And so we've established that God is truly good and is holy good and is 
um, too good for us to be in his presence uh, without us dying. Right. And But God is also all justice. Like, he is truly just. So, if he sees all this and he's, it's destroying the world that he created, he can't just stand by. It's got to be destroyed. Yeah. It cannot operate in that same space. And so, now that Earth has been so destroyed by sin, he has to kind of create this new place where all the people that want to be with God, which is the place where people who want to be God's image go, and then also a place where people who don't want to do that and just want to kind of be not images of God and kind of just sit in their sin have to go as well. And it talks about that in Revelations. Revelations 21, to be specific. And so it says there, uh, in Revelations 21, I'll be reading from verse 1. And this is John speaking here, and he's seeing it through a vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So, what's what's some stuff that just stands out to you about this place? Okay, well, first of all, before I even like, get into that, I think... One of the coolest things about Revelations 21, 1 to 7 is like the fact that we as people right now have never seen this before. Mm -hmm. John's seen it through this vision, but like John's describing what he's seen and we still can't imagine it. Oh, yeah. Like it's like we get all this information and we have our obviously our own we were talking about earlier our own depiction of heaven but like here we don't even need our depiction of heaven because it's been seen and still it's like the most beautiful thing and we still can't picture it but going into what stands out to me is um verse two mm-hmm. coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband mm-hmm. that's just paints once again the beauty i think of verse four mm-hmm. That God's actually going to be standing there with each of us, wiping tears from their eyes. And like then the next sentence, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Because we don't even know what that looks like. All we've seen in our time on earth is these these very things. People people close to us dying, um, Mm -hmm. us mourning or crying for various reasons, I think. Um, It can be related to death. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with how we view, like, Earth. It's, it's like trying to, it's like asking a person, can you envision eternity? It's not possible. We op- it's operating in time. It's, it's, like an, uh, it's like an ant trying to understand a cheeseburger. It can't do that. It's, its brain would explode. And I, I think that's even the apt way to describe, like, if we were to see God, like, for what he truly looks like, we wouldn't know what we're looking at. We would die immediately. Because God is, think about this, God is outside of creation. So everything we understand right now and we interact with is a part of creation. Yeah. So imagine trying to look at something that is outside of creation. What would that even look like? How would you even understand that? I haven't even thought about that way before. Yeah, it would blow your brains. Like your brains would explode immediately. You wouldn't even be able to process the information about just what's happening now. It would be it would be insane. It would be intense. It would be insane, intense. I there would be so many emotions that would be going if I was just standing there. I, I and hopefully someday I do. Um, 
like I, I would not know how to feel. I will be superbly overwhelmed for sure. And I think you brought up a good point. Um, prepared as a bride dressed for her husband. I think that's an apt, like, I think that's one of the best statements to describe what it's going to be like in heaven. Like, that's kind of the relationship um, between, like, us and God. Like, it's, um, people, people kind of overlook this fact, but heaven is going to be a place where we are in relationship with God to the fullest extent. People kind of forget that. And it's it's one of the hugest things that we can't forget. We can't forget that this is a place that we truly in relation with God. And we experience Him fully. And then so scripture is like God is love. God is slow to anger, compassionate with loyal love. We'll experience that fully. Right now, we can only get it in the operations where we can understand it. And we understand it through Jesus' actions. Yeah. And we understand it through human beings. That's, a, or that's how we can, different ways, receive it. Right. But when we receive it from God, who is the creator of all those things, it's going to be insane. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be, yeah, because it's right at the source. Like it's the right source, now, yeah, yeah we're, we're getting it through the, our versions of our understanding of the word, our experience with Jesus. But while we're experiencing that, we're on earth. And we know, like it says, earth isn't meant to last like mm-hmm. earth has things that are listed in verse four death mourning pain mm-hmm. crying like so when we're getting that at the source from the creator like i can't even yeah i'll, I'll be overwhelmed as well i yeah. think anyone has to be because you haven't experienced it before and that's that's really just the beauty that i was going back to earlier mm-hmm. yeah and all these things like death mourning crying and pain all a result of sin being in the world. So that stuff wouldn't exist anymore. That's up because sin's gone. Sin is can't is not operating in the same space as this place is anymore. And I even love the line, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be uh, no more death and we talked about that already. I don't think it's, I don't think it's like this, um, like God, like water bends, like all the water out of all the tears out of people's eyes. I think it's like, he literally goes to the people, like puts their, like their finger under their eye, like kind of like under there, like under here on their cheek and just wipes away the tears himself. Like it's a personal action. And that even alone is just like the level of that even ups the level of person, like person, not personality, but just personal relationship we will have with God. It will be so close. It will be so personal. It will just be all love. And even says, it says it multiple times here. Uh, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Like he himself will be there. It's no longer like a graven image. It's he himself. And uh, I think that's even insane. Like Another scripture that blows my brain is in Zephaniah, um, I believe. Yep, yeah, Zephaniah 3 and it's in um, verse 14. And it says, sing, daughter of Zion, shout aloud, Israel. And when you hear that type of stuff, you should think of, okay, this is going to be heaven. That's, that's his people. This is God's people. Shout aloud, be, reglad, be glad, rejoice with all your heart. Uh, the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel is with you. And never again will you fear any harm. And then go down to 17. Sorry, I meant to read 14. 15 and 17. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior saves you. He will take great delight in you. His love will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So that part is nuts because I think we we grow up in church and people who even go to church and who have been Christians for a long time. um, How long have you been Christian, Justin? Almost three years. Okay, you're coming three years. I recently just turned eight. So, we, we've we been going to church for some time. Yeah. And we both grew up in the church, too. Yeah. And uh, uh, we, we had our own different ways we came to faith, uh, even though we grew up in very similar circumstances. 
um different but similar yeah 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 but at the same time we grew up with like worship music we grew up always worshiping god but in Zechariah, uh, zephaniah it says how but will rejoice over you with singing so god himself is singing over you right which is like what yeah he's yeah even right before that he will take great delight in you, in you. yeah which is like we all we, we always think like oh we're just gonna be in heaven this is gonna be one big worship concert to god but it's not just gonna be one worship concert to god it's gonna be a worship concert back to us it's gonna be just like i think of it like one big battle of like the the bands almost but not really a battle of bands but just one big concert and it's kind of like going back and forth to just being like worship to one another. And I think people shy away from that sometimes because people think, oh, worship is just like, it's like this, um, it's so, it's something so foreign to me, if, if that makes any sense. Like I don't worship in my, in my daily life. Like, oh, I don't need to worship things. Like I, I don't like that. Like you, you hear that a lot, right? Yeah. I hear, I hear that people don't like worship because... Of various reasons, so that mm-hmm. that's a good point. Yeah, but I think people forget so, the fact that people worship things all the time. Yeah, um, I think this happens the most in sports. Um, oh yeah, funny yeah. enough. Like, but people kind of forget worship is giving somebody the praise they deserve. So, like when people talk about lebron or michael jordan they're just like they these guys are the goat these guys are the best players of all time they are the greatest yeah if uh if i'm not mistaken that is worship (laughs) oh it is it is that is giving somebody praise we don't call it worship but it doesn't really matter what we call it at that point i mean it is what it is we yeah we are worshiping athletes um specifically in that in that context i know Mm -hmm. that's something that hits close to home yeah me oh no yeah, very no. close. You're a huge hockey fan, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I'm also a hockey fan, but I like I'm a I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan, so we always lose. So that's great. Um, but this doesn't just pertain to sports. This pertains to like music. This pertains to movies. Like, oh my gosh, um, like Kendrick Lamar, greatest rapper of all time. His bars, fire. Yeah, like that's worship right there. Or it even is. a movie. Um, you and me big um big nerds were or big brain nerds um we were just talking about star wars just doing before this yeah um and we were just talking about oh different star wars movies just like oh empire strikes back one of the greatest maybe one of the greatest movies of all time it's one of my top favorites of all time and that right there is worshiping it like it's so good it's so great oh my gosh uh it just makes me want to cry like that that's worship but we also do that with even our spouses, like or or you and me aren't married. Yeah, like so uh, we, not from experience. We, but. Yeah, <laughs> we are not in that arena at all. But even like with our friends and stuff like that, like people we see it in people's relationships. They're just like, oh my gosh, like even saying like somebody like, oh you are so beautiful, oh you are so great, you're so cool. I love our friendship. Um, I love how you do this and this. I love how um, we interact in this way. That is giving somebody praise. That is giving somebody worship. So let's break down that barrier. That's like another huge point you got to remember. We worship things all the time. The thing is, what God is concerned about is where that worship goes. So remember that. We'll talk about that later. But with this, that is what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be a place where we are worshiping God, but he is loving us and we're loving him in that same way. And so it's like this. It's a relationship. And it's going to be for eternity. And that's what this place is going to be like. And so, but now we have to talk about the other place is where all the sin goes. We can get into... Do you want to get into Luke 16? Yes. Luke 16, I think, is um, a great place. But before we uh, before we do that, what do you? What are some common things you think about um, 
when hell is kind of brought up in like the Bible context. We kind of talked we, we talked about the, what the world thinks of hell is, but when you think of like a biblical version, does it change at all? Um, it definitely changes in a sense because it it's more it's more detailed here. I think especially with Luke sixteen, which we'll get into later. But the main like the main topic is just suffering. Like mm. like not to say that what we we're talking about earlier, people don't think they're suffering in hell. Okay. But I think I think if you look at hell biblically and from a perspective of like just our own thoughts, we both understand in both sides you understand their suffering, but in the case of the Bible, you understand why the suffering's so harsh. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, there's also some scriptures to go along with that. Mm-hmm. In Mark 9, Jesus actually talks about avoiding hell at all costs. Yep. Um, there's some scriptures in the Bible where it says it's better to lose your hand, yeah. cut off your hand, if it's causing you to sin, then go to hell. Like, yeah. for your whole body to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think, like, man, that's, like, harsh. Like, the yeah. fact that, like, cutting off your own limb. Yeah, it's better to be dismembered than get in hell. Yeah, like, that's that's deep that's yeah that's scary and think about it and he's like back then hands and eyes were like how you like everything back then was a lot of physical labor it's not like now where you can just get like a prosthetic that's true like you can just like have a prosthetic or a robot can do it for you you can do everything by voice command if you didn't have your right hand depending on what you did most likely your livelihood was kind of gone oh yeah for sure you can't what would you like a lot of it's just like like how are you catching fish how are you doing that with one hand um how are you doing carpentry it's gonna be pretty it's gonna be really difficult and who's gonna hire you no and so he's saying like it is way better if you go through all the trials and difficulties of having just no hand or just even one eye um then having to face an eternity of hell but he's also saying on the plus side that heaven is that much better yeah but for now we're focusing on the hell side so that we got to clearly understand. So let's get into Luke 16. Uh, we're going to be going from 19 to 31. It's a big chunk, but it's one of the most underrated. Um, uh, what, were, what were they called again? Parables. Do you remember what they were called? Well, okay. Well, this, in this parable. It's like, a parable. Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. Interestingly enough, a couple of weeks ago was the first time I believe I've ever even heard about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Where's this been in my life? Like, yeah. like I've heard so many parables and they're great. They've, yeah. they've impacted me in so many amazing ways. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I kind of wish like, I wish I had come across this earlier. It's just much better to understand hell when Jesus is like explaining it mm-hmm. than to just think about it on my own or try and figure it out when this is right here. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's already mm-hmm. been covered. Yeah. Um, and parables are way of how Jesus conveyed different things about the spiritual realm right. and how God operated and how we are supposed to operate. So that's why there's a lot of ones about like spiritual, um, like success, spiritual failure, how to make it to hell, how to make it to heaven. That there are a lot, there are a lot of those are put in as um, in parables, and I think this is one that is not as used as much. And so, Justin, can you read? from 19 going onward yeah no problem so it's titled the rich man and lazarus and let's just get into it so there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day at his gate was laid a beggar named lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table even the dogs came and licked his sores this time came the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to abraham's side the rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to them, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Mm. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us, and you is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, 
They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so we just read a lot. Yeah, but a lot. What, what are the things that kind of outlier you think that are kind of outliers, like the first bit of this parable? I mean, okay, so one of the things is just the fact that I think it's in 24. Mm-hmm. Um, so he called to them, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus here. Like, yeah. first of all, first of all, the rich man's able to actually just like think yeah. and, and speak. Yeah. He's like conscious. Yeah. It's not, it's not like where I think most of the depiction comes from where we're in hell and we're just screaming yeah. constantly yeah. with like mindlessly, like even if we could form thoughts, those thoughts would never yeah. get put out anywhere because we're just in that much that much pain but here like that's not true it says he called to them like and asking asking lazarus to to be sent there rather than just simply asking can i come up there mm-hmm. like that that's that's really like it's it's amazing to me that that's his his first thought like not hey can you get me out of here but can mm-hmm. you just kind of fix my situation while I'm still here. Yeah. Like he's not even leaving. And plus the his, the fix to what he thinks is gonna be the fix isn't the fix because he's still there. Yeah. Like it it's very it's very odd, but this is also Jesus says this in a very specific way because that's that's how we as humans operate. He knows that's how we operate. If it wasn't then this the parable would have been different, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a, a great point. And so the thing about this that's very interesting is so the rich man is described this guy who has who's had a life of luxury and then Lazarus who's just had um like he's had, he's had a rough life. Like he, this guy has sores, he he barely has any food. Dogs are licking his sores just like, and dogs were, were they were not man's best friend. Um like in biblical times, they were kind of like the epitome of like street cats, right. and not like nice street cats that people just pick up and just take home. Like they were just stuff that just belonged in the streets, and just no one would take them home. And so when we look at this, so and taking that all into account, Lazarus has a pretty bad. One. Oh yeah, I think I think on top of that, like even looking back and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm assuming most of most of our listeners, most of the people we know, like, live a life where you can eat whenever you want to. Yeah. And even even if you couldn't, there's still there's still ways around that where we live today. But I think not just like, not just like s- sitting at the rich man's table picking up his scraps to eat. Like it, the word longing, like, like it's. It's not just like it happens every day. Like longing means you're like waiting for it. Waiting, you're yeah. like, yeah, like he's he's waiting to eat from another man's table, mm-hmm. and it's not even from the table. It's sitting on the floor from what falls. Like that's that just really shows how bad his life has been up until this point. Mm-hmm. And so, but we, this is the thing we got to take in. This is a question that we often got to think about, or we don't often think about, but it's an underlying question here. So the rich man ends up in well, let's call it a spade a spade here. It's hell. Yeah, we all know what it is. And yeah. then Lazarus ends up with Abraham in heaven. So, but we don't know these guys' moral actions here. If you notice that, it doesn't state that in the beginning. It doesn't yeah. state what they kind of. They just said one had a nice life, the other one didn't. Mm-hmm. So we often, and that's what was often thought back in the day. Like Jesus is talking about something kind of big here. When people were successful um we kind of assume this today too that people who are successful often have are really morally good like they got like god morally praises this person because they are well off in life right and then people who were um not well off in life um were morally corrupt like they did something morally corrupt to get there like their parents did something bad so that that's what um, people thought like the the sins of the the father 
will go down to the sun and that um, their afflictions will be done by that. Which is biblical in a sense, but is taken often in the wrong way. It is. And so what we see here, it's it's the opposite. The opposite happens is this guy had a nice life, but he ends up in hell. This guy had um, Lazarus, had a bad life, but ended up in heaven. So how did this happen? And it all comes down to the actions that they make. So if you look and see um, that um, both people died, they, one ends up in hell, one, uh, the other ends up in heaven, and then this guy says, Father Abraham. Um, I, I know this, this song wasn't around in those times, but like I think of Father Abraham and many sons. And then he son said, Father Abraham. Like, yeah, we all know that song. Yeah. And uh, so he even calls him that. Meaning that this guy, like, has been to the temple. Oh, true. Knows true. Torah reading. Like, he knows who this dude is. It's not just a random dude who's just like, it's not just like a, uh, I'll place in some people here, uh, place in some filler roles that people, like, he's not like an agnostic. He's not like an atheist. Or he's not like a, a Buddhist who doesn't know who this is, like a guy from a faraway land. He knows who Abraham is. Like, he, he, and it's not like there's a title just like going across his head. Like, oh, this is Abraham indication coming down off his head. It's like, he looked at him and he's like, oh my gosh, that's Abraham. Right. Not mean that he knew who he was by just seeing him, but he knew his character. Like, he knew his actions. Like, he could spot him a mile away. Um, so, this guy knows who he is. So, we can kind of put him, like, if we're putting it today in our shoot, this guy went to church. Like, this guy went to church. He knew who Abraham was. And so, but he's still in hell. Yeah. So what's the issue? What, like, what do you, what, what's your coming, what's coming to your mind right now? What's coming to my mind is simply by like, knowing isn't enough to get you saved if you're not living and be, like, mm. believing. Like, believing and knowing are like different things. Like, I've spoken to some people recently where they know the stories about the earth's creation. They know the stories about about how sin came into the world. They know most people... No, I'm scratch that. Everyone's heard about Jesus. Everyone mm. on this planet. They know these things. They know, they know that there's a God. They know that if they don't think there's a God, they've still heard about God in the first place to even think that. Like, we know, we know these things. But it comes down to, like, him choosing not to follow. Yeah. And like you said earlier, we don't know what his actions are, but we, from the story, know his actions didn't lead him to where he wanted to be. Well, yeah, like even the the actions come out in his words. That, that's so, also true. Though. Like, think about this. Father Abraham, pity on me, send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool down my tongue. So that I could, um, because I am in agony in this fire. So he's still viewing Lazarus as somebody kind of like, I would think this either lower of his like this is a possible theory, but either lower of his station, like he still thinks of somebody that he needs. Uh, he doesn't say, "Hey, can I come over to that side and get some water, and so I can have some, so I can get some of that." He no, he 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 says distinctly to dip his tip of his finger in the water to cool my tongue. Oh, that's right. So. That's right. He's still cheating. Like he, Lazarus has to do something for him, not like, oh, can I do it for myself? Can I go out there? Somebody has to do it for me. That's that's really descriptive, actually. Yeah, it says a lot. And then even um, going uh, going down even further, um, you see that it's just like, oh, I like let them warn me that this place uh, let like. Let let me warn my family, or let somebody warn my um my brothers. Uh, my brothers, so that they do not come to this place of torment. And he's like, oh, the, they have Moses and the prophets, and let them listen to them. I'm pretty sure this guy also had the Moses and the prophets. Yeah, and he's like, well, no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead came to them, they repent. And then he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. So when we read this, I don't know if you have, uh, I don't know if you've ever ran into this before, but this sounds like the most 
like non-believer excuse i like, hear it all the time oh yeah i know what you're gonna say yeah like you we hear it all the time just like oh well if god just comes down right in front of me right now i will believe right oh if i can go back in a time machine and then see jesus be crucified i'll believe right um if i state this miracle right now if god does exactly this then i'll believe and all of that operates on the same thing, like, okay, we don't have time machines, but just for the, for the sake of thing. But even then, um, people are still thinking, just like, if God bows to my whims, like, if God operates on my timetables, then I believe. Yeah. That's one of the most unbiblical things to think, that, like, God operates on your timetable. And and I've thought about this before, like, to be honest. um, If you look at it this way, people either had to... There's only three options. You either have to believe that Jesus was coming. Mm-hmm. You either have to believe that Jesus died yeah. after he passed. Or in that in between, you had to have believed that he was who he said he was in that moment. Because you already were witnessing it. Yeah. But that would like it's such a bad excuse for people because people witnessed Jesus die on the cross and they still didn't believe. Yeah who he said he was yeah so it doesn't like a, lo- a lot of people will, th- will say nowadays like oh yeah well well it's it's hard to believe something that happened in the past no it isn't you mm. believe it in history books yeah. you believe it in everything else why yeah. all of a sudden does does this have to come with some sort of condition oh if i were there sort yeah. of thing so which is which is ridiculous and the thing is the bible and even jesus has so much like historical foundations on just a lot of things that if you take away that you're gonna have to offer up some other explanation to how all that stuff came around and any other explanation doesn't support history it doesn't support how it's being functioned and even with that like there is enough evidence to compare if um if jesus really existed and if napoleon really existed there's enough evidence to say so. Or you have to make the... You can make the exact same arguments that would say that, oh, Jesus really... Maybe Jesus didn't really exist. Or maybe all this stuff didn't happen. There's to make the same... You could have, you'd have to make the same arguments for either or. Right. But if you're a big historian, buff, Napoleon is kind of really huge for for like how France worked in, in those time periods. It's kind of revolutionary to how France operated a nation at the point where he was alive. Napoleon, however, wasn't very huge. It was not... <laughs> okay, here we go with the short jokes. But, okay, but the point is that we're getting here. People will, will choose things not to believe if it's convenient for them. Like, yeah. like what? We've been... Um, we ju- we're just coming out of a pandemic, and I'm, a lot of people remember the time we're saying, like, COVID's not real. Oh, yeah. Even though they were like, how many people are dying around the world? Like, yeah, people will no, disbelieve no. things, even if they... Just because, like... And that's kind of the thing we got to get here is the like uh, most in the prophets. So he and also just to even add on more, this guy didn't just know who Father Abraham was. He knew who Moses and the prophets were. Yeah. So he knew them as well too. Yeah. So this guy was. It, it, I would say he's an avid churchgoer. Like this guy went to church, but something was off about this guy, and so. And it also making it sense, like, he knew this place as well. Like, this place existed when it was being talked about in the temple. So when it was being talked about during scripture readings out loud, this place was known. Like, this place was something that people could end up in. Right. And this is the thing. The reason why this part is huge is because it is, one is so relatable today. And it's just, it, this guy, the rich man, is making all the same excuses that people make today. Um... But at the same time, everything that we need to believe is just right in front of people's faces. It's already there. The evidence is there. Um, the Bible. That's, another, that's a, the history of the Bible. That is a whole other discussion for another podcast. Uh, we've been saying that a lot this episode. We're yeah. going to get to a lot in this podcast, guys. Um, but with that, there is so much. Like, it is talked, there is so much. There is so much history. There is so much proof. And evidence. Um, I literally rolled my eyes there for a second because I have like I've been in many conversations with oh well that's not really proof and I've and how many times I've had to say it like it's not common knowledge and I know it's not common knowledge because it's not put through um, common knowledge a lot but it is something that is so undersaid and not taught a lot 
that's very detrimental to how people's faiths are. And, but some people don't want to believe that sometimes because it upsets their lifestyle. Oh, yeah. And so with this story, we have to see that people will see the most tremendous acts. Like right now, we are, we are continuing the story of the Bible. Like we have the Holy Spirit inside of us now. That is something that we operate with. And we are now living proof that God is, that God is real, that Jesus rose from the dead. Our lives prove that. But people want to see our lives and be like, oh, well, no, I don't really, uh, like, that's not enough. That's not enough stuff. Then they're not just rejecting, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. Yeah. And they're rejecting the life that God wants them to have. And so we have to get this also understanding is that there's a lot of other times where Jesus talks about the type of people that also reject, like, there's a type of people that get to hell. Like there's a t- there's a type of people. And so with this with this with Lazarus, we see that this guy's identity wasn't really with God. No, not at all. His name was the rich man. Like he doesn't even get a name. He's just known <laughs> as the rich man. Yeah, yeah. Lazarus like Lazarus had an identity, his name was Lazarus, but the rich man was the rich man. Like his identity was that. It wasn't like the the name that God gave him, which it was another name, which was the rich man. Mm-hmm. And so when people who end up in hell are people where God is just not the center of their life. And I mean not like, a, oh, at this point in time. I mean like, like for a, like they're not like, they're not baptized believers or nothing. Like their whole life is in, is in the other direction completely. Yeah, opposite. Like, like saying with the mirror, it doesn't reflect. It doesn't reflect. All. Yeah, exactly. And like they have like an idol in their life. Like God is not the center. Mm. Like whether it be status, power, career, or even more righteousness. I think oh, that's something that yeah, that's, that people like say about a lot. Like that's the thing that's going to get me in heaven. Oh, I am morally righteous. And I can even we can we can take the leap because this guy knows his knows his torah knows his um knows his jewish scriptures this guy was probably a morally righteous guy like it doesn't say that here that he was like really snarky he wasn't um the most um like he wasn't doing like there wasn't something that was outright like um that was morally corrupt here which um you, we can get into discussion about that there's nothing but we can see that god was not was not the lord of his life like the god was not the center no it was not like the big thing and you can see that it was his riches or himself. That could have been the thing. He, 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 you can see he's very self-absolved. For a lot of his talking points, he's very self-absorbed. like And um, he probably never noticed that. That was something he probably never noticed. But that's what happens when you're just not with God. When you're not with God, you don't see all this stuff. You, you don't, don't see how broken you are. I know, I know. I think, I think about like my life before becoming a Christian... Especially, like, that last, like, one to two years. Like, the the stuff I was doing was so wrong. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was normal to me because there was... Because I was living by my own standards, which just keeps going into why we can't live by our own standards. I think more righteousness, like you were saying earlier, like... Like, that's another common misconception. If I'm good, I will go to heaven. What does good even mean? Like... So just it just brought up a a point in my mind to like, yeah, me like living the way I was living. I didn't even notice that was the way I was living because that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that's that's how it went. Yeah, I uh, I always think of it this way. It's it's hard for an addict to realize he's an addict. Yeah. Until somebody tells him that he's an addict, or a mirror is put up to himself. And it says, like, oh, gosh, I'm an addict. Like, it, it's very hard for a person who is very dirty to realize that they're very dirty until they smell themselves or they see themselves in the mirror and see that there's dirt all over their face. Um, and so you need, like, like a, a point or a standard to see where, um, where you're off. And God is that ultimate place to do that because we are the... The place to be truly human is him. And when 
he is not your center. He is not your source, which he truly is, which in the thing you operate through, then everything else just becomes an idol. It becomes about pride. Yeah. And pride is the most cheapest of cheap sins. It's where all the sins flow. It's where, um, it's where all the sins flow. People don't like, um, it's, it's interesting. Like think about it. Um, pride when like, for instance, uh, pride kind of goes in with, um, dishonesty, the lustful nature of different things, um, greed, like, uh, greed, for example, um, how that can, how that kind of takes its shade from pride a bit is you think yourself so high that you deserve something that somebody else owns more than that person does. Yeah. Yeah. Steal that they wouldn't go into stealing, like taking that action. You believe that they are not, you either not worthy of paying for that because you're so up there so much better so much better that i just like oh i am worthy of not paying for this Mm -hmm. or and they don't deserve to be paid for that Mm. or even um like sins of just like the sins of just being lustful you think that oh that person should be viewed as an object that person is not like i'm just going to view this person as a bunch of body parts and that's not you're denying them the god made image of which they're made in they are not just a like a body just walking around with skin on it, um, that just looks attractive. That's not. That's not what that's. That's not. What they're more than that. Yeah. They have a name. They have a personality. They have a consciousness. They are made in God's image. But um, when you deny that fact, it brings. Um, it would be just. It's so tremendous. It would be so. Um, destructive because now you're reducing everybody else's God's image just lower that they're not deserving of that and so taking that into account and seeing that that's what happens when pride is like the center of your life and seeing how destructive that is and how destructive that just makes everything in your life um, that is the fire yeah and people um, get this like we, we kind of said before like this place is burning with fire um but a lot of the Bible, especially when it's talking about the the afterlife and even visions, it's very metaphorical. Yeah. It's very metaphorical. Like the the gates that we don't know if that's real, if that's metaphorical. There are different times where it will state um, out the gate that there is this, there is this, there is this. Um, in this situation, we can see that the fires are often metaphorical. Yeah. That these are fires that are agonizing he said i am in agony from these flames but this fire is something that doesn't just it's not like a like it's not something that can like uh, power a locomotive or this like it, it can uh light up some campfire wood like it, that's not what this fire is it's the burning of like the fire that is that sin starts within you now grown out of control and now is killing you more than it ever has before it's now killing you and it's now destroying you body and soul. Right. Before it was like just, it was doing it on a gradual level. Now it's just all at once. Right. Right. It's like, I kind of think about it now as like a virus. Like yep. when you're sick with the virus, like everything about you feels horrible. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing at that point you can do to get rid of the virus. You have to wait. But in this case, there's no end there's no end it, yeah. this, this fire is eternal because this is the fire that you yourself have stoked and that's another thing we got to remember is that sin is not something that is that grows like in an independent way it grows dependent on you it grows in a way that is that you stoke yourself you are adding the kindling every time you sin you are adding more kindling Right. You are burning up that desire. The more that you have career power, like idolatry as just your center or anything of that nature that isn't God, you are now stoking the fire. Right. I think you are now killing yourself more and more. This is the end of part one. If you want to listen to the rest, please listen to part two.